Not sure what to make for dinner? Need some inspiration? Join Gabriel and his food hero guests every Wednesday on The Dinner Special. And now, here's your host, Gabriel So. Welcome to The Dinner Special. I am Gabriel So, and I am so thrilled to have Yvette Marquez Sharpnack of Muy Bueno joining me here on the show today. Now, on her blog, Muy Bueno, Yvette shares her family's stories and takes her readers on a journey through old world, northern Mexican cuisine, traditional south of the border homestyle dishes, and Latin fusion recipes. Muy Bueno was a finalist in the Sever Blog Awards in 2012 and 2014, and Yvette has published two cookbooks, Muy Bueno, Three Generations of Authentic Mexican Flavor, and Latin Twist, Traditional and Modern Cocktails. Yvette, it's such a pleasure having you here today. Thank you. So nice to meet you, Gabriel. Thanks for having me on your show. (laughs) Totally, totally. It's totally my pleasure. Now, let's start, of course, with food. You grew up in Texas in a Mexican household. Can you share the role that food played in your home? Well, I grew up in El Paso, Texas, which so many people think, oh, you have Tex-Mex food. But if you've ever been to El Paso, it's pretty much Mexico. It's Our home is literally a mile away from the Juarez-Mexico border. My grandmother came from Chihuahua, Mexico when she was 10 years old. She's passed away. She, she passed away when she was 98 years old. But my mom was a single parent and we lived next door to my grandma. So It was basically my mom and my grandma who raised me, and it was food all the time. It was either seeing my mom in the kitchen all the time or my grandma in the kitchen. And that was why I named Muy Bueno what it is, because my grandma grandma would always be in the kitchen, and just anytime any visitors would come, she would always say, Siéntate a comer, está muy bueno, which means sit down, come and eat. It's very good. And so... Every time, you know, I thought about my grandma trying to come up with the blog name, that name just kept coming to me. But yeah, my grandma was just always in the kitchen and I was always in there with her. I would just love to sit there and watch her make homemade flour tortillas. And I just couldn't wait to get home from school and just sit there and just listen to her stories. And just she would just tell me, you know, growing up in the ranch in Chihuahua, Mexico and during the Mexican Revolution and crossing over to Texas with her family when she was only 10 years old and just how scary it was and the things that she experienced. I just, you know, was just found it fascinating. I could just hear her stories over and over and over again. And I just love sitting there and just watching her cook. And that was what I fell in love with. Although growing up, what's funny is, um, you know, seeing her in the kitchen, my mom always in the kitchen that was where I did not want to be. (laughs) I just felt like they were underappreciated and just always there. But as I became a mom, I realized, you know, that's just your gift to your family. And that's your showing your love to your family. And that's when I fell in love with cooking once I had my own children. But in my teens and college, I was like, anti the kitchen, anti cooking. That's super funny because like, you know, now, I mean, basically what you're doing with Muy Bueno is you're kind of doing the exact same thing as you and your grandmother did. Yeah. Except like on the internet, like for everybody to like, you know, enjoy and hear your stories and listen to your recipes and and read all about, you know, the food that you're making. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of 
was cute as my daughter was growing up. She would do the exact same things that I would do, you know, and I caught that with her, like thinking she would want to, she would say, tell me a story when you were my age or what were you doing in second grade or third grade, you know? And so she loved hearing these silly stories that I had, you know, growing up. And I just realized that that's what we all have memories of, you know, hearing stories of our own parents, our own grandparents. And most of that time is conversation in the kitchen. Right. So when it's uninterrupted and you're just there in the kitchen and that's when I was like, wow, you know, if it's, if it's not for the kitchen, those stories probably would not happen. Oh, for sure. For sure. Now, when you were younger and you were in the kitchen with your grandmother, were you pretty active in there or were you pretty much soaking everything in? I would do a little bit of both, you know, as as I said, she would always make homemade flour tortillas. And so she would always save a little piece of dough for me just to play around with. And so it was so funny because I think about coming home from school, I'm, I'm so anal about my kids washing their hands as soon as they come home from school, but not my grandma. She would be like, you know, I would sit down with her and automatically, you know, get my little piece of dough and make my little flour tortilla. And I remember like seeing the dough literally get brown from my dirty hands. (laughs) (laughs) And I would cook it on the stove and eat it. It was like a tiny little tortilla. (laughs) Grandmothers are the best. (laughs) I know. It's so funny. And so, um, but, you know, I would, she would give me small tasks like, you know, grating the cheese was, you know, a big thing or, um, you know, getting some fruit from the trees in the backyard. She had some pomegranate trees that I just couldn't wait to see if they were ripe. And oh, she just spoke Spanish. So it would be like, OK, you know, go get a granada, a pomegranate. And I would get a broomstick and be like <laughs> knocking it down and be so excited to come bring it in. And and so little things like that, that just, you know getting some mint from the garden or getting some chamomile to make me some hot tea. So she, and that's what I do now with my own kids, you know, go bring me a zucchini from the garden, go get me a tomato or so. So it's fun to be able to share those same memories and share that my family now. You're passing it on to the next generation. Uh-huh. Well, as you mentioned, you kind of rejected the kitchen a little bit, maybe in your teens and in, in college and stuff like that. When you got back into the kitchen, mm-hmm. did this stuff just like come back to you, just like flooded back to you? Or did you take a little bit of time to, to learn to cook again? Well, what's funny is, you know, everybody would tease me, my family would, especially my brother, he's still He's seven years older than me, and he still teases me, thinking, oh, if you still don't cook, you just play one on the internet. Because <laughs> <laughs> he would be the biggest one. And my grandma, too, would say, I'm never going to find a man because I didn't like the kitchen. And so it was just a like a running family joke. But it's not that I didn't know how to cook. I just chose not to cook. And as soon as I, you know, it was my love was in the kitchen was when I would entertain So I would love to have friends and family over. And that's when I would get, you know, creative and have fun when I knew I could cook for a crowd. And so then, you know, like I mentioned, it was until I had children. I was like, okay, now I kind of have to cook. (laughs) So, and that's when I started calling my mom and asking, okay, what are, how do I make some of these recipes? And I never, she never had them written down. I never bothered to write them down. I would just, you know, kind of make them as she was telling me over the phone And so that's how I would, you know, learn to make some of the traditional dishes that I grew up with. But otherwise, you know, I I think I was pretty good at just kind of whipping things up or just following a recipe. So I wasn't, you know, intimidated by the kitchen. Right. It's just not something that I loved in the beginning. But once I started making some of the traditional dishes, 
that I grew up with, that's when it's like, you know, it was kind of crazy. Like, you know, still to this day, when I make something that a dish that my grandma would make often, I just seriously feel her, you know, like, I just know that she's watching me and, yeah. and guiding me in the kitchen. So it's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like your grandma played a huge role in your passion and your love for being in the kitchen and food. I know you mentioned that your grandma passed, but if you could make her something today, Mm -hmm. what would you make her? (laughs) I think pumpkin empanadas. Yeah. You're just going to make me cry. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Like every year, you know, as a kid, you know, you have Halloween and you have your pumpkin and you make your jack-o'-lantern. And so she would never let me throw away the jack-o'-lantern. You know, once it's all kind of wilted and looking sad, you know, after a couple days after Halloween, she would say, no, save that for me because we're going to make empanadas. And so I just was so in awe about that, thinking like, "How this thing looks so ugly. What is there left <laughs> to to make pumpkin empanadas with? But um, But she would, and it was, they were amazing. And so my kids now you know, for Halloween, they look forward to that because they know that soon after, a few days later, we're going to be making pumpkin empanada. So I think just for her to see that I've continued that and to see the love of my kids, especially my son, he's, that's his favorite dish is any type of empanadas, but especially pumpkin empanadas. And just to see you know, to be able to serve that to her and sit at the dining table, you know, for her to know her grandchildren and to know that these dishes and these sweet treats are continuing on. I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is there a dish that she made that you just can't seem to master or make exactly the same? I would say her red enchiladas. Every Friday, she would make red enchiladas. And family and friends would come over and eat. And we just called it this red chile magical pot because it didn't ever seem to disappear. You know, she would make, you know, big pot of sauce and visitors would come and then more family would come and friends would come. And I just would think, when is that pot going to end? I mean, it just would feed so many people. And the way she makes enchiladas and, you know, my family still makes them like that till this day is they're stacked. So you, rather than, you know, traditionally rolled and filled, she would fry the corn tortilla and then dip them into, you know, it's a homemade red chile sauce, and then just keep making layers of cheese and onion. And we never really had meat growing up. So it was always just cheese. So it was just, you know, very simple, but it was a homemade sauce that was so velvety, so red, so rich, so spicy, so delicious. And, you know, every time I make it, it's just a little bit different. You know, sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, it tastes like my mom's or sometimes it tastes like regret. So it's like always a little bit different. So there's just something about making homemade red enchilada sauce that it just takes time to make. But for some reason, the color is different or the texture is different. I mean, it always tastes delicious, but, you know, doesn't always taste like grandma's. (laughs) Right, right. Of course. Well, Yvette, you know, we have a kind of a good idea of sort of how your love of cooking came to be and why you started getting back in the kitchen again with your kids. How did your blog Muy Bueno come to be? What kind of sparked you to start it? Well, what's funny is I didn't even know what a blog was. (laughs) It was my daughter was eight years old and my mom was visiting me over the summer and we were cooking a lot. And so initially, you know, it was just, I finally wanted just to start writing these recipes down. 
And so, you know, when moms are around, it's like you start craving all the things that you grew up with. And it's like, okay, mom, make, let's make chicken mole or let's make chile rellenos or let's make, you know, all these things that kind of are time consuming and maybe more for special occasions. But, you know, I just craved them because mom was around. And so it was my daughter who was eight years old at the time who said, mom, you should really write a cookbook so that when I go to college, I can make these recipes And that's when it dawned on me, like, wow, you know, that's what we should do. And so it started off as just a goal of writing a cookbook. And I was a graphic designer, full-time marketing was my job. And so I figured, oh, I could design one. I can just do a little self-published book for our family and friends. And that was the the goal. And then I would, you know, we would make recipes together. I would snap a photo, post it on Facebook. And all my friends were like, oh, I want that recipe. I want that recipe. It's like, oh, I'm writing a cookbook. And they're like, how can we buy it? I was like, you want to buy my cookbook? (laughs) So then it was a friend who ended up being our photographer, who's the one who suggested saying, you really should write a cookbook. And we said, yeah, we're going to do it. She's like, no, like a real cookbook, like have it published and I'll be your photographer. I was like, wow, you know, for her to offer her talent. I was like, okay, now we got to really make it happen. And she's like, and you should start a blog. And I said, what is a blog? (laughs) So I started researching, you know, how to start a blog. What is it? And, and at the time I realized, oh, I guess I was following a couple different, you know, DIY or, you know, decorating blogs, but didn't really know what they were. So then since I was a graphic designer, I was like, oh, I could design one. And so I designed the blog and just started with a couple of recipes and just kind of telling the story of the goal of writing a cookbook. And before I knew it, people were interested in republishing our recipes or just, you know, just becoming not great fans of, you know, being excited about the cookbook. And so that's that's how it started with the whole blog. I, I mean, I had no idea it was going to turn into a business in itself because since I started, you know, you know, now I work with brands and develop recipes with different for different brands and, you know, work as a photographer or a stylist or, you know, travel for different events to learn about different brands. So it's just turned into a life of its own. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, and it also led to an actual cookbook. <laughs> right, exactly. So yeah, so thank goodness, you know, that when I realized, okay, well, maybe others would be interested in a cookbook, I started, you know, researching publishers and how to write a proposal and how to, you know, and so I think definitely the blog and having the readership and the following definitely helped seeing, you know, the photography and seeing the vision and And I was very hands-on when it came to the cookbook. And that's what I loved about our publisher is that they weren't a big publisher. I I wanted to work with a publisher who would still let me design the book, who would let me style the photos, who, you know, I just did, it was my baby that I didn't want to let go of. And so, so it was really neat working with them and letting me pick, you know, the type of paper, the thickness of paper. I mean, I was very hands. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So much attention went into it. Yeah. And I mean, now thinking back, it's like, I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I was very fortunate that we found the publisher that we did find because I think otherwise, you know, it would have been up to them to let them decide how to run with it. And, you know, I think that's what I'm most proud of, you know, that 
I can say that this book has over a hundred recipes and, you know, every recipe has a photo in there. So, you know, it's very visual and very design sap, you know, fun when it comes to, you know, my design style. Yeah, for sure. The book is called Muy Bueno, Three Generations of Authentic Mexican Flavor. Yvette, how would you describe authentic Mexican cuisine to someone who may not be super familiar with it? Well, it's funny, and that was really challenging when we try to come up with, you know, our tagline or subheading, you know, it's like authentic could be very misleading, I guess, you know, people could be very judgmental when it comes to any type of cuisine, whether it's authentic or not authentic, everybody's definition of authenticity is very different. And when it comes to cooking, depends what region. I just came back from Oaxaca, Mexico, and there was so many dishes and ingredients that I have never heard of. So, you know, my chicken mole is completely different than a mole that's made in Oaxaca, Mexico, or, you know, so it's, that's why we can't, we named it authentic flavor. It's not, we're not claiming that it's authentic Mexican, but that it's authentic to us. And it's the flavor of Mexico that we know and love. So it's, you know, it's, it's, I get that every day where it's like, you know, I just posted a recipe not too long ago of this very authentic traditional dish called chiles de nogada. And it's not a dish that we necessarily grew up with, but I researched it enough and learned how to make it to share it with my fans. And, you know, there'll always be somebody who's like, no, this is not authentic because an authentic chiles de nogada, you have to peel the walnuts. And it's like, you know, sometimes I skip steps to try and make it easy for the everyday cook. You know, where who has a time to be peeling walnuts? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so, you know, just little things like that. I try and make dishes that are authentic in flavor, but are easier to make and maybe adding a spin where it's a healthier dish or just just making it more simple, but keeping those traditional and authentic flavors in there. Right, right. No, I totally, I totally agree. You know, when it's authenticity to me is always how you grew up eating it, <laughs> you know, like my parents would make, you know, uh, or we would have, you know, sweet and sour pork. Yeah, like, right. I, I'm Asian, right? So right. like we would have eat sweet and sour pork, but like if we were to go to China, right. that wouldn't be authentic to, you know, Chinese people there. But for me growing up in Canada, like I, you know, it's authentic to me because I've grown up eating it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, what, what my goal is just to make sure that it's authentic in the sense that it's, you know, it's, not to knock Taco Bell, but you know, it's, it's so different, you know, it's fresh, it's using fresh ingredients. It's not slimy yellow cheese, you know, it's, it's a lot of fresh ingredients. It could be healthy. You know, so many people say, well, how can you be so thin if you eat Mexican food all the time? And so there's still that preconceived notion that Mexican food is heavy or fattening and it's not always, yes, we deep fry some stuff, but, but for the most part, a lot of our ingredients are healthy and it's just a matter of teaching people how to make these dishes in a healthful way with all delicious, authentic flavors. Right, for sure. Well, Yvette, you also co-wrote your second cookbook, uh, Latin Twist, mm-hmm. uh, Traditional and Modern Cocktails with Vianney of the Sweet Life. Mm-hmm. Can you share how this idea for the book came to be? 
it was kind of, it was funny because you never know who you're going to meet. That's what I've loved about blogging is it's, you know, opened up so many new relationships that, you know, sitting in my old job in a cubicle, I would have never had the opportunity to meet. And Vianney is another Latina blogger who is from Texas. So we automatically had that connection and I followed her blog. She followed my blog. And one event, we went with Nestle to go to California and be in part of a tamalada. So we were all Latina bloggers there learning how to make a tamalada and how to do a tamalada and how to just bring that back to our readers. And so, you know, I do that automatically. So does VNA. And so we just, you know, hit it off in person. And that evening, we are both flying out and had a long delay at the LA airport. We're like, let's get some cocktails. And so we started with one cocktail and another cocktail. And she has a great section in her blog that's called Margarita Love. And so I kept telling her, BNA, you need to write a margarita cookbook, you know, margarita cocktail book. She's like, oh yeah, that's my goal. I want to do that. I was like, well, let me know if you need help and I can design it for you or I can talk to the publisher that I worked with and see if they might be interested. And she's like, okay, okay. And so then after I was on the plane and we parted ways, I was thinking, hmm, I need to do something with her. You know, like I don't want to steal her thunder with a margarita book because I would love for her to still do that on her own. But we need to team up together and write a cocktail book, not only just of margaritas and not only just of Mexican cocktails, but cocktails of Latin America and Spain. And so that's how the idea started. You know, I approached her saying, you know, how about we team up together and we write a cocktail book together and share both of our loves of, you know, these fun cocktails that usually end up being Latin inspired. Right, right. Now, is there a cocktail recipe in the book that is especially uh, special to you? Oh, there are so many. It was funny because we sectioned the book in chapters of country. And so, you know, on average, there's about five cocktails per country. But when it came to Mexico, it's like us both being of Mexican descent, it's like, okay, I'm going to do five and you do five. So then, you know, <laughs> it was hard to limit, you know, only 10 for that chapter because we could have kept going on and on when it came to Mexico because that's what we're most familiar with. But it was fun to be able to challenge ourselves and learn about different spirits from different countries. And I think when it comes to being special, I think I love our Mexican cocktail. It's called La Paloma, which is, you know, more of Mexicans cocktail versus a margarita. Like a margarita is more Texas based where a paloma is true traditional Mexican cocktail. So it's super fresh cocktail. And I think that's what's, you know, makes it so delicious. It's so refreshing for the summer. And I love that cocktail, but it was fun to learn new spirits. And so writing that cocktail and developing recipes, my, I was hooked. I was, that sounds pretty bad. I was hooked <laughs> <laughs> on cachaça, which is a Brazilian spirit. And it's, um, that we made a really delicious cocktail in our Brazil chapter. It's like a passion fruit caipirinha and so good. So that was one of my favorites. And we also turned it into a punch. So we were trying to also not only show how to make, you know, only two cocktails, but show how to serve a party. And that's because me and Vianney both love to entertain. So we wanted to make it user-friendly where it's like, okay, make a punch or a 
you know, pitcher of cocktails and enjoy your party and, you know, enjoy the libations as well. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, here at the dinner special event, we talk with food heroes about dishes that are special to them and how we can make it at home. Can you talk about a dish that is special to you and maybe the story behind the dish? I know we went up through some dishes a, a little bit earlier and then some cocktails, but mm-hmm. is there a dish that is special to you? Oh my gosh, there's so many. And there's some that are so special that I don't want to give them up still. You know, there's some that are specifically only in the cookbook that, you know, I, I am so... It's so cherished. Yeah, it's so cherished that it's like, okay, if you really want it, you got to get the cookbook because it's just makes it so much more special. And I would say like the chicken mole that we have in, in the cookbook is, it's very delicious. It's, have you ever had mole? Yes. Okay. So you have a little bit of the sweet of the chocolate. You have a little nutty from, um, some people use almonds or walnuts. We use peanut butter or you can use peanuts and then it's spicy, which is what I love about our mole. Um, traditionally, you know, there's different types of moles, but ours is more spicy than sweet, which is what I love. And just having that shredded and tender chicken and just serving that, you know, traditional plate with Mexican rice and some frijoles de la olla, which is just beans from the pot and just a good old fashioned home style Mexican food on a plate. It's just so delicious. Yeah. So my daughter was just mad at me because she's like, you went to Oaxaca and had all these moles and you have been promising that you're going to make some and you haven't made some. (laughs) So I'm guilty of it because it just, you know, it's not that it takes that much time. It is a little time consuming because you have to toast all the ingredients and roast them all and just, you know, blend them. It just takes a little bit of time. But um, but I, I owe her that recipe. And now after Oaxaca, it's like I'm craving it again. So I've got to make it at home. Yeah. Well, let's say that you were making this chicken mole and you could invite three famous people over to share this with. And of course, your, your daughter would be there to enjoy it as well. Who would you invite over? <laughs> I would say Madonna, just because I'm so such a Madonna fan. And then I think she would just be fun at the table. And then I just have a thing for Marilyn Monroe. I would just love to hear her stories and, and know, know, you know, her background and her life. And Elvis, because I know, because I grew up with my mom listening to Elvis. So I think it would just be a fun party, you know, of musicians and old Hollywood and, yeah. and just to have a fun dinner. Great. <laughs> Well, Yvette, I call the next part of the Dinner Special Podcast the pressure cooker. I'm going to ask you seven fast and fun questions that we want to know your answers to. Are you up for it? Okay. Okay. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Number one, which food shows or cooking shows do you watch? Wow. I love anything with Giada or Rick Bayless or Patty Hinich. It's not so much of the show, but more about who's cooking and who captivates my attention. Number two, what are some food blogs or food websites we have to know about? Mm, I would say White on Rice. I've just always loved their photography style and just their whole life in general. You know, they have this gorgeous garden and these orchards and it just looks fabulous. I also love Matt. He doesn't blog very often, but he does more food photography. Matt Bites. 
and he met Armendares. And, you know, I just love that he's a Latino. He seems like he would be a fun friend. I love his photography and his styling. His, he works with his partner who has an amazing eye for food styling. And just together, they do some magic. For me, it's all about visuals and photography and, if, you know, capturing the, the story with it. And so those blogs have always kept my interest. I also love Foodie Crush. She has an amazing, a completely different sense of style where I think it's more modern and clean. And she also has a background in graphic design. So I love her clean, clean space when it comes to styling food. Perfect. Number three, who do you follow on Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, or Snapchat that make you happy? I follow a lot of yoga, a lot of yogis on Instagram. And I just love that there's one yoga girl and um, she just always has some inspirational messages. And so, you know, it's just neat to see all these amazing yoga poses that she does in the middle of nowhere or like super tropical, exotic, amazing spaces. But I just love that she always has positive messages or inspiring quotes always to her photos. Number four, what is the most unusual or treasured item you have in your kitchen? Mm, that's an easy one. It's my grandmother's rolling pin. After she passed away, my mom asked me, you know, what it was that I would love from my grandma. And, and I just wanted that rolling pin that she would make flour tortillas with every day. And so come to find out she had two rolling pins and my sister asked for one too. So we each got a rolling pin. So I figured like, it's kind of like a baton, you know, like your turn. It's, it's time to continue that legacy and those traditions of food with your family. Great. Number five, name one ingredient you used to dislike that you now love. Hmm. I would say nopales, which are cactus paddles. And it's, it's not even so much that I didn't love it. It's just we didn't really grow up eating them very often. And when I saw them, it was more in a jar and they just looked slimy and they just didn't appeal to me. And so it was, you know, now until recently where it's like you can honestly get them fresh and they just, you know, I put them in a smoothie every morning or, you know, make some with scrambled eggs or just in a fresh salad. It's just such a fun ingredient that I think is underrated and needs to be used more often. Number six, what are a few cookbooks that make your life better? Well, like I said, I love Rick Bayless. I love Patty Hinech. I also love Marcela Valladolid. Anything Mexican, I just love to not only read their recipes, but just kind of read their history or learn how they make their recipes. Um, and it's just interesting because you can have a tres leches cake in all the books and they'll all be completely different. So there's, you know, just, I love seeing the variety of the same Mexican dish and how it's made by different Mexican chefs. Right. And whatever's authentic to them. Right. Exactly. Great. And the last question, number seven, what song or album just makes you want to cook? I would say any old Mexican music. There's this one, Na Paloma Blanca, which is a white dove. And there's another one called De Colores. So it's, they're just two old Mexican songs that it's like, I'm flooded back with feelings and feeling my grandma, you know, racing to go pump up the volume. <laughs> 
and sing. And, you know, now I sing those songs and turn up the volume for those songs and just know that grandma's there watching me cook, singing with me. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, congratulations, Yvette. You have officially survived the pressure cooker. Oh, cute. That was fun. Yvette, thank you so much for joining me here on the Dinner Special Podcast. Now, you're on social media. What's the best way for us to keep posted with all the awesome things that you're up to? I think Instagram's definitely my my new love. You know, that's where I post the latest and greatest. Also on Facebook. I'm not on Snapchat yet. I do have an account, but I haven't caught onto the Snapchat wagon, <laughs> which I'm sure I will soon. But yeah, for now, definitely Instagram on Muy Bueno Cooking and on Facebook. It's under Muy Bueno Cookbook. Perfect. And of course, we can visit you on the blog, MuyBuenoCookbook.com. For sure. Thank you again, Yvette, for taking the time to chat with me today. I hope you had a good time. I had a blast. I did. It's fun to realize why you do what you do and be reminded of, you know, sometimes we get so busy with what we do that we forget why we're doing it. So thank you for reminding me of what I do, why I do it. Thank you for listening. Head on over to thedinnerspecial.com for recipes, highlights from every show, super blog articles, and all the wonderful ways to keep in touch on social media. Your culinary journey awaits, so let's get cooking.